What up, world? It's your past first point guard and Trailblazers reporter Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. Today's episode is the latest edition of Mailbag Monday, our weekly mailbag show answering listener-submitted questions all episode long. If you want to get involved, there are two ways to do it. You can tweet at me, at Mike G. Rich on Twitter. Just send me a tweet whenever you're thinking of it. Helps if you tag it as Mailbag Monday or, or Mailbag or whatever it is. Just indicate that it's a mailbag question. That's a, that's always helpful. People have opinions on the internet. Sometimes they don't know if questions uh, are for the show or they're not. So if you, if you indicate it, it will be helpful. You can also just watch my Twitter feed, typically on Mondays when I send out a tweet soliciting your questions. You respond to that tweet. I will do my best to get you in the show or a future show. I save the questions and I sometimes hold on to them for a little bit. So Send me a tweet and I will do my absolute damnedest to get you on this very show one way or another. If you are not a Twitter user, just someone who doesn't tweet, you can email me lockedonblazerspod at gmail.com is the address lockedonblazerspod at gmail.com. Like I said, we do this each and every week. I typically record it on Mondays and post it on Tuesdays. Sometimes it moves around depending on my schedule. But yeah, Mailbag Monday. We, we keep it rolling all off season long. In fact... Neither snow nor rain nor heat nor gloom of night stays mailbag from your ears. So let's get into it. Our first question of the show comes from Alex PDX at Alex Try on PDX on Twitter who asks, does the training camp roster seem more competitive this year? Is creating a tougher, more vet-heavy and competitive environment a choice Billups and his staff are making to set the tone? Or... Is it just Neil Olshay trying to get some good guys to compete for the last roster spot? I definitely think it's the second part. Uh, it, I kind of think it's hard for me to get a read on sort of what um, what Billups' approach is, and I think his approach would probably closely align, at least at this point, as he's still kind of figuring out with Neil's approach. And Neil's approach here is like, let's bring some vets in and compete and get the sort of the best quality player. That might be with some Chauncey input, you would imagine, that Chauncey has an input. Uh, former player probably wants vets as opposed to young guys at the end of his roster, but, but I think this is, I, I think it's a Neil thing. And it's certainly, I think the I should say that, like, with all this stuff, it's not, it's it's not, it's just not that binary. Like, it's not Jess Neal or Jess Chauncey. Like, I read this as more of an Olshay preference and an Olshay approach than Chauncey. But, like, the, the stuff works in tandem. The same way when a team plays poorly, it's not just the coach or just the players. It's both. Like, the the sort of the way they're going about roster construction is both. It's, it's, it's just, we don't need to draw a line because there's no reason to make it binary. But my read on it is this is, um, this is more of Neal's doing because it's, you know, Chauncey is in my four or whatever of being head coach in the NBA. Uh, in general, though, yeah, I think this, I think training camp is going to be more competitive this year because there's actually a spot on the line. In previous training camps, they've brought in veterans, you know, there've been uh, some competitive training camps and stuff like that, but there hasn't been like specifically, hey, we need someone for this final roster spot. Come, Go ahead and come get it. Like it hasn't been, um, that just hasn't, the way the rosters have been built, it just hasn't been that way. They've signed players to play and they've they've had rookies and stuff like that and and, and spots spoken for. There is, a, there is a legitimately open roster spot and it's not just like an end of the bench role while it's the end of the rotation role someone who who very very likely will not play on most nights it's someone who like you know they're going to be something like 12th on the depth chart if you assume that uh cj Allaby and gary and gary and greg brown jr are buried a little bit further as as young guys who are going to be you know 13 and 14 you're talking about 
someone who is uh, is not going to play regularly, but you know f- could could very quickly see their name called and can very quickly climb climb up the depth chart. So yeah, I do think it's going to be more competitive and a much more compelling training camp. And I, for one, and excited to uh, excited to watch it. Excited to see what goes down. Training camp, you know, first preseason game starts October fourth. So training camp is soon, a couple weeks away from from training camp opening. Probably less than three. You assume if you know training if preseason starts on October fourth, they're going to get. Uh, officially training camp going by the end of September to give themselves a little a little bit of room like you know a little less than a week before before they play a fake exhibition game next question comes from true blazer fan at true blazer fan on twitter who asks are the blazers making a major move or not your opinion probability 10% chance 90% chance I think 10% is even high. Uh, no, I don't think they're going to. Uh, I think the reason you haven't heard the Blazers' name come up with the uh, Simmons, Ben Simmons stuff is because they're not interested. Um, not just because, in general, Blazer trades kind of go quietly under the radar and then they pop up like, oh, they're making a deal. Um, you know, like it, it comes comes together very quickly. Uh or, or comes together quietly, but like this is the biggest, the biggest name, and it's represented by Clutch Sports. If the Blazers were interested, Clutch or the Sixers group, they would be floating that um, that the Blazers were interested in that. They're like it would be out there just because the Bla- you know just because it's the loudest name, it would be hard for the Blazers to do what they normally do and keep it under wraps. I don't think they're interested in Simmons. He seems to be the thing that would be a major move. Um, there's no other currently available player that seems likely to be a major move. I think the Blazers are are like just I think they're just have moved off the Simmons plan. I think it's not what they're going to go with. So I think 10% even I think like chances of a major move is like 2%. I think it's very very unlikely. I think this is the group. I think this is the group for better or for worse. This is the group plus Marquise Chris. This is the group plus Marquise Marquise Chris. Next question comes from Brandon Sprague at Brandon Sprague on Twitter who asks how would you classify yourself as a basketball player? I know the whole pass-first point guard self-title, but how good would you say you are? I'm not good at basketball, Brandon. Like I, I it's all relative, right? Like I don't think, um, I don't, you know, I don't think there's like a like a media member game. Brandon is a host of a daily radio show here in Portland, so I'm, that's why I'm saying media member. Uh, like I don't. I don't think there's sort of like a media member, media sort of level game that I couldn't compete in and be pretty good in. But like, in the grand scheme, I am I am not a particularly good basketball player. I'll share I'll share this story with you. Um, I played in the Rip City three on three tournament. I don't know, a handful of years ago. I've played it a couple times, but a handful of years ago. And I was telling CJ McCollum about it. I was like, we were I was, when I was on the beat, so it was like a lot of time just sort of chit-chatting bullshit with with NBA guys, with with guys in the roster. And then, so I'm like chatting with CJ about it and I'm telling him about it and he's asking how we did. And we did not do particularly well. We finished like fourth or something. Um, and uh, he was asking like, oh, who is this guy good? And I'm like, he's pretty good. He's like, a, you know, kind of like a mid-level high school basketball player like type of good. You know, like he, he's probably like a he was probably like one of the stars of his high school basketball team. And CJ goes, oh, he's trash then. And I was thinking like, if you're pretty, if you're like a pretty good, you know, if you're the third best player in your high school team, like you're pretty good. You're fine. That's fine. It's all relative. But CJ was thinking like, if you had never had a chance to play division one basketball, you are, you are trash. And I laughed and I was like, oh man, you you should never watch us play pickup then CJ. So I, I do think it's all relative. Like I am not, not good. I play basketball once a week. Um, shout out to the only list, the only dude who listens, who plays hoops with me. Shout out to Mike. Mike, thanks for listening. Uh, but like, I'm not good. I'm not even one of the good players who I play regularly pickup with, but I'm competitive and can play with anyone. Brandon, I'm not afraid. And I really am a pass first point guard. It's a real, uh, it's a, it's a, it's not, it's not just a moniker. It's a, it's a real title. 
Next question comes from Jacob, who asks, Do you remember the beginning of last season? You were kind of excited for Harry Giles, or at least you reported about fans who were excited about him. What happened with him? Yeah, listen, Google where Harry Giles went to college. You think I was excited about him? No, like a big who can pass, that's like a skill set that I always find intriguing. I thought Giles, for what he was, like a emergency big man or like a depth big man on the on the, on the the roster was, was really intriguing because of his skills. Um, not much of a defender and not much of a shooter. In fact, all of his made three-pointers came in garbage time last year. But um, it's, you know, um, he... He never got a chance in Stotts' system. I wish that he had gotten, you know, a, a, like a four-game cameo to figure out if he was actually good. When he did get a handful of chances, you know, like very, very small spot minutes, he didn't look particularly, he didn't look great playing against higher-level competition. I, ne- I, didn't, I never thought like, ooh. There were like little moments in garbage time where you're like, wow, Harry Giles is so skilled. But the very, very little bit that he played with like the in the real competitive games, he always kind of looked uh, a little bit out of sorts with his decision-making and his sort of defense and like defensive rotations and strength on the glass and stuff like that. And again, like his lack of range makes sort of what he is as like a gifted passer kind of changes it. And the Blazers just don't play through their, didn't play through their bigs enough to like really utilize what Giles could do well. I think those in some ways a failing of the coaching staff for not figuring out, hey, this skill, this is an intriguing skill set. We have such limited options at center. What can, how can we figure out how to make this work? Like I would have liked to see more Harry Giles, um, but I I don't think like I don't think he's like this diamond in the rough that the Blazers wasted. I think he's probably like a like a a third center in the league, like an like you know a low level backup center in the league, and the Blazers just um, didn't need to go in that or chose not to go in that direction. And he has since signed with the Clippers. Um, you know I don't care that he went to Duke really. I wish him well, but like he's. I think he's more potential than production, more like in, more intriguing than productive at this point. And the Blazers, uh, cho- you know, didn't roll with him. Also, that's just a stats thing. He doesn't roll. He doesn't. He's he rolls. He coached so much on trust, and and Giles just never earned his trust. And then in like those really brief cameos, it never. It just it never pops for Harry enough to to sort of earn that trust going forward. All right, let's come back in the second segment, answer more of your questions. But first, let's talk about Sweat Block. Listen, sweat block wipes are currently the number one item in Amazon's antiperspirant category. And that's because they're stronger and more effective than most clinical antiperspirants. You simply apply it the night before. Wipe it where you're sweaty. Take a sweat block wipe. You know where you sweat. You know where you perspire. Wipe it where you're sweaty. Go to bed. Don't worry about it. The next morning, wake up, take a shower, go about your day. You will not have to think about perspiration because one application of sweat block wipes can work up to seven days. We're talking once a week. You use the sweat block wipe and then you can go about your day with confidence. Wear what you want to wear. Sweat block's so confident they'll give you the dry shirt guarantee. If sweat block doesn't keep you dry, you get your money back. If you are a heavy perspirer or know someone who is, this could be the solution you've been looking for. So go to sweatblock.com. Use the promo code LOCKDOWN. You'll get 20% off your purchase. Like I said, it's also available on Amazon or your local CVS. Does this sound familiar? You got one device that lets you catch the game live. Another that lets you stream your favorite shows. You're watching sports highlights on your phone. And you've got your neighbor's best friends log in for the good stuff. 
Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called DirecTV Stream and it brings you live and on-demand favorites like you've never seen them before. You can watch all your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That includes your Portland Trailblazers, available on DirecTV Stream. Root Sports uh, will, will, will be broadcast if you uh, get DirecTV Stream. No more juggling remotes. No need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Contents vary by package. Let's keep it rolling on this glorious Mailbag Monday. Our next question comes from Josh Dollar, at Josh Dollar on Twitter, who asks, How should fans, such as myself, feel about a team full of likable, quality humans who I want to see succeed, but the organization is run by, in my opinion, absolutely horrible and at times evil people who we, should, who we shouldn't want to see succeed? Josh, I think this is a case of never meet your heroes. I really do. Uh, I, I think, you know, you... you People pry in more to the private lives of billionaires who um, who try to keep their lives private, uh, such as such as Jody Allen and and I, Neil has really Neil Olshay, president of basketball operations, has not helped himself in terms of being likable at all this summer. Um, he's pretty much stepped on his shorts every single chance he he could possibly gets. He's 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 had a tough run of it, but I I feel like proximity to your maybe your. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the millionaire basketball pl- players on the team might make you feel like they're um, not as awesome and, and and completely likable. In general, most billionaires seem bad. <laughs> like that might that might be sound like a political stance to some people, but I just think it's in general. Like um, <laughs> most billionaires are bad. There's uh, there aren't if if there is a good one, I'd love for you to tell me about them. Um, certainly not any of those dudes flying into space. So. You know, at, you know, money corrupts maybe is the lesson here. But I, I, I here's what I think. I, I think you should like what you like. And if the bad outweighs the good, then reconsider it. But if the good outweighs the bad, then just try to enjoy what you can. Hold tightly to your joy. Next question comes from Logan Gillis at Logan Gillis on Twitter, who says, It seems people have moved past the Chauncey Billups rape allegation, as I assume was Neil Olshay's goal, push through it and come out on the other side. Do you think the franchise will continue to face fan backlash once the season begins, or is that just a blip on the radar that's in the past now? Yeah, I think uh, in general, like this is more a comment on sort of like the American condition or whatever, like our sort of the modern times than it is like the Portland Trailblazers. This outrage and um, and just like rage in general, like people's, it, it happens in little small pockets. People get upset, they get focused. Then another thing gets them upset. They get focused on that and you move from, you know, one little pocket to the next. Like that seems to be just sort of how the world works. I, I don't like, like in any sort of whatever modern context, like outside of certainly completely devoid of, of any trailblazers um, involved. So no, I don't think it'll come up again. I said even after at the time of the Blazers kind of uh, really, really bungling the press conference to introduce Chauncey Billups that they just, all they had to do was do an okay job there and they would never have to answer questions about it ever again. But they like made sure themselves that it would still be a topic of conversation by doing such a terrible job with that press conference. Like, whoo boy. 
Um, yeah, I, I don't think it'll come up. I really don't. Um, I think there's been some reporting both by Oregon Public Broadcasting and the Oregonian that suggests that there are people who were involved in the uh, Chauncey Billups investigation who wholeheartedly trust his side of the story and have, are willing to publicly say that they trust that he, um, you know, he is not guilty and what the story he told was absolutely true. And if the Blazers had just conducted a real investigation, they would have been able to say, we talked to people involved in the investigation and they trust Chauncey, like, outside verifying it but the blazers did a did a shit job of the investigation and left it up to independent media to kind of do the work for them um good work by oregon public broadcasting in the oregonian to uh do the work the blazers were either unwilling or unable to do themselves but i don't i don't think i don't think the i don't think the chauncey chauncey billups is the the allegation is passed is going to come up really ever again um i i i think but both based on just sort of how humans are, how Americans are, and how um, and the sort of subsequent reporting after that, like I I I think we have moved on, and now the complaints are going to be like how many minutes he plays Damian Lord and CJ McCollum. Matt Brawley at M Brawley one on Twitter asks, percentage chance that Ben Simmons is a Blazer at some point during this season. Oof, really low. I talked about it in the first segment. Like, I don't think the Blazers are particularly... I don't think they're the team that's interested. Just like, we haven't heard anything about it. And this is just speculation. I'm not reporting. I think there's a lot of guesswork at play. Even the people that are reporting, to some extent, are guessing. Or there's also people out there faking the funk, always. But, um, yeah, I, I think very low. Like, I'll give it 1%. One, like I said, I said the percentage of them making a big trade was like 2%. So I'll say 1%. 1% Ben Simmons is, I think it's done. Like a, Ben Simmons is not going to be a blazer. I don't think it's going to happen because we'd already be there. Next question comes from Olan Fulfer. That is Fulfero3 on Twitter who asks, There is a mystery small market team that is said to have made an offer for Simmons and a report on Bleach Report. What are the chances that that team was the Blazers? So I read this story. Olan sent me this story. Uh, it, it's actually... Um, it's not a Bleacher Report report. It is aggregation of a podcast segment that Brian Windhorst did for ESPN. Brian Windhorst is an ESPN reporter. So there's like, this is aggregation at its best. This is, I heard about it from a Twitter user who read it on, um, Bleacher Report, who was writing a couple paragraphs based on what they heard on a podcast. And it was Brian Windhurst reporting from anonymous sources. Who boy, uh, we're, for, we're pretty far down the chain. Um, I don't think it's Blazers, uh, you know, to reiterate what I've, what I've said a couple times here. I will say this, Keith Pompey, the, uh, the writer for the Philadelphia Inquirer who first broke the news that, that, um, or first reported the news that that Simmons is not going to report the training camp with the Sixers and the host of uh, Locked On Sixers on this podcast, Keith Pompey, uh, says that the Minnesota Timberwolves seem to be the team that is that he would say is is in the lead, is, is most aggressive and in the lead, most likely to land Simmons. So I'll I'll roll with with um, with Keith's reporting. Like I, if there's a small market team, a mystery small market team, I'm going to say that it's the T Wolves. And I read the story that Olan sent me in Bleach Report. It didn't mention any teams or much reporting or that reporting from Keith Pompey, who said it on Locked on NBA. So make sure you're listening to Locked on NBA because you'll get little tidbits like that. Uh, Locked on NBA is the uh, the large umbrella podcast on this network, available wherever you get podcasts. Next question comes from Jesse, who asks, if Ben Simmons holds out, nobody else seems interested. Is there a way in which the Blazers could retain Dame and CJ, but also put together a trade package for Simmons, maybe center it around Norm or Nurk? I don't think so. I don't think it gets that desperate. Uh, I, you know, I don't... First of all, the, the Sixers... It would need a three-team trade. Sixers have no use for use of Nurkic. Uh, 
a deal for five years, $90 million of Norman Powell in exchange for Ben Simmons is just bad, bad news bears. If you're the Sixers, like that is not what you want. Uh, the Blazers had to pay him. No other team had to pay Norm that kind of money. Um, that's yeah. I, no, I don't think you're there. I don't think they're there. I think Simmons can really reduce his trade value and it might end up, he might end up getting flipped for something that seems like not a good deal at all and doesn't work out for the Sixers, et cetera, et cetera. But like, Norman Nurk seems too far too far down the down the road, but but I I, I do concede Jesse that Simmons's trade value is heading is heading in the wrong direction. He seems like the Sixers are the team that needs to trade him. They're lacking leverage, um, and he's he is a, he is very talented yet flawed. All right, let's come back in the third segment and close out the show. Before we do that, let me tell you about RockAuto.com. Look, there are. Just so many makes and models of cars out there. It's impossible. Impossible, I say, for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. So why endure the pointless and seemingly intimidating question of, is your Odyssey an LX or an EX? You don't ha- don't go through that song and dance. You drive an Odyssey, first of all, just peek on the back. You'll know if it's LX or an EX. But listen, moreover, the chain auto parts stores cannot, they just cannot carry all the parts you need. They can't do it. But you know who can? It's Rock Auto. The online business that's been serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. You can save time and money when you use rockauto.com. Why choose to spend 30%, 50%, or even 100% more for the same parts from those chain stores and car dealerships? They can't carry all the parts you need, and if they do have it, they're going to charge you more. Don't go through the song and dance. Instead, go explore rockauto.com's easy-to-use website and find the solution to your auto part needs. That's rockauto.com. Head there right now, see all the parts available for your car or truck, and while you're there, write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box. That way, they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Still a pass first point guard. Still Mike Richmond. We're still listening to Locked on Blazers. And we're still rolling through Mailbag Monday. The next question comes from Vegan Mindset Coach at Mindset Vegan on Twitter who asks, what country outside the United States has the most Blazers supporters? I know Houston has China. San Antonio has a lot of fans. The Lakers are quite popular in the Philippines. The Lakers are a massive global brand. They're pretty popular everywhere. But the Philippines has real deal a ton of NBA fans. NBA is huge in the Philippines. Uh, not just not just the Lakers, but certainly the Lakers. Um, again, massive global brand. They're everywhere. Um, the According to this podcast, like this is like an exact science, but the most non-American listeners come from Australia. Uh, shout out to, I know one, at least one, shout out to Harvey. Appreciate listening, Harvey. Uh, but yeah, like the majority of listeners come from the United States, then Australia, then uh, then Canada. But you know, there's Canada has its own pretty successful basketball team. I can understand why they've been listening to my man Sean Woodley over Locked On Raptors. We also have listeners from uh, you know various parts of of Europe. We got listeners in the United Kingdom as well as France. Uh, we're then you know spread out all over um you know a listen here and there from various countries around uh, around the globe but m- most most of the international listeners are are australians it's 
basketball is, is, is big with Australians. It's, um, the NBA is huge there. In fact, you know, Josh Lloyd, host of Locked On NBA and, and the wildly popular Locked On Fantasy Basketball podcast, based in, based in Australia and has never, never been to an NBA game. He just, just loves it, learned to love it and became a, a straight up expert from, uh, you know, many thousands of miles away. So shout out to, appreciate all you listening wherever you are. Um, if you're listening to this and I didn't, and you feel like there's a little, um, you know, a little pocket of Blazer fandom in your country or your your spot on the map, send me an email, lockdownblazerspot at gmail.com, and I'll, I'll, shout out, uh, I'll shout out your supporter group wherever you might be located. Next question comes from VCA, at VCA on Twitter, who asks, If you were to build this season's bench with Blazers bench players, no starters allowed, from the last five seasons to the present, who fills out the roster? So I kind of wonder what... Uh, the parameters of this exactly are VCA, but I, you know, I love a good, uh, silly hypothetical. In fact, we're closing the show with a couple silly hypotheticals here, but, uh, it, the, I set my parameters as major, came off the bench majority of their games and you got them at their peak. Uh, and I'll explain that in a second. So I'm going to go with Larry Nance Jr. I'll just, I'll just keep Larry Nance Jr. I think the versatility, the playmaking, the defense, like you're just, you can go back in time and like Larry Nance Jr. is, is just taller and, um, and, and more intriguing than the other sort of defensive, you know, versatile options, like say, uh, Evan Turner, um, little, little better shooter, not as good a ball handler and probably not as good of a straight up playmaker, but, but, but just probably a overall better basketball player at this stage. So I'll go Larry Nance Jr. Then I'll go Gary Trent Jr. Uh, the shooting, the, the, on ball defense, like not a great defender, but really interested if you got him, if you got him on the right day of like being a pest on defense, I think, um, you know, not by no means an elite defender, uh, and kind of a one trick pony on offense. But if that one trick is making threes, that's a useful trick. It's a useful trick. Um, and I think Gary Trent Jr. is pretty good. Like he's just like a really solid contributor. He's, he could easily, you know, pretty much any team in the NBA is going to be in your top seven. Then I'm going to say Pat Connaughton, um, you know, Pat was a regular contributor on the team that won a championship this year. Certainly he wasn't like the most crucial part of the Bucks uh, rotation. And like, there were plenty of games when things got tight where Pat played very limited minutes, but like he's athletic, he can shoot. Um, he's, he doesn't do a lot, but he's not going to screw up. Like he understands that he doesn't do a lot. So he's never, he's not going to try things. You're like, Oh, Pat, why he's, you know, he's going to take open threes when he gets them. He's going to play hard. Um, he's an okay rebounder for a guy his size, really good offensive rebounder, not a great defensive rebound, really good offensive rebounder for a guy his size. Um, really solid role player. You'd love to have him. Then I'll go Seth Curry and yeah, that's two Duke guys, but, but boy howdy shooting and skill is is really valuable Seth Curry is just he's like he on other rosters he would have started but he happened to play on this Damon CJ roster another smaller guard was never going to fit next to Damon CJ um don't tell Neil but like if you see how many 6-3 dudes are on the roster now but really really can shoot it has a little more off the bounce game than he probably gets credit for uh and while he's not a particularly good defender he has good enough hands to be a competent defender comes away with enough sort of smart steals and stuff like that seth curry can really play happy to have him and then and then number five i want the five person bench rotation uh i went with zach collins because i think at his peak 2018-19 zach collins was really really useful uh could rebound could defend could shoot a little bit uh you know is in a small minutes uh stint like his 
foul, his foul, a tendency to be a foul guy, but heavy fouler didn't matter as much. But if you say like it's Collins now and he's injured and it doesn't count or, 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 you know, it's like, that's too risky. I'll go in as Cantor because I need size. Uh, I much prefer Zach because of the defense. I think like you got to think about building a roster as micro skills. Like but you have your best player, Damien Lord, And now like what small collection of skills would fill out the best roster around him? It's not 2K. You don't just want overall talent. You want the right parts. And I think the defense of Collins and Nance, the shooting of Trent Jr., Connaughton, and Curry, like that. So those are really nice complementary parts. Still don't have a great wing defender off the bench, but guess what? Neil's never had one of those, so it's not my fault. Next question comes from Will, who asks, So I'm all in on doing whatever we have to do to give Damian Lillard the title shot he's asking for. Unfortunately, I feel like this squad is going to need too much to go its way to contend for a title. But I think I've figured out a solution that gets this roster there. Time travel. So butterfly effect be damned, how far back in time would you need to take this roster for it to be considered a legit title contender? Current Blazers roster replaces the Blazers roster of the season you pick in case you need some time travel rules clarification. Thank you, Will. Um, for some reason, time travel comes up on this, on mailbags more than you would think. So I always appreciate time travel rules because, uh, you know, there's, there's many different versions of how time travel exactly works. I think the answer is 1995. Like, I know that seems far away because it's 30 years ago, but it, I just, I don't, I don't think, you know, dating back to 2015, the Warriors and, and Cavs era, like, I don't think the, the Blazers are better than any of those teams. Like, I think... I don't think they become contenders there. Um, competitive, but not contenders. Obviously, they made the Washington Conference Finals in 2019, but they got swept uh, by those Warriors. So I think, you know, 2015, knock it off. Then you start to go back, like, w- were they better than those Spurs teams that made the championship back-to-back years in, in 2013, 2014? Nope. I'm going to say strong hell no. 2012 is a contender, uh, but I don't think, like... KD, Russell Westbrook, and James Harden is a better group than the Blazers have right now. Like, I don't, I don't even think that's controversial. I just think that's the truth. So then I, I think we get into an interesting run of like 2011, uh, the Mavericks year when they, you know, beat a young, uh, you know, outlasted the Grizzlies and outlasted a Spurs team and, and beat a young uh, Thunder team in the finals who had just taken out those Spurs. Like, I I think we're close. Like, I think 2011 is close, but I, I just defensively, I like I like the Sean Marion, Tyson Chandler, J- the older Jason Kidd group better than what the Blazers have. And I think, like, defensive versatility is so important when you get into the final. So I don't, I think 2011, you could say contenders. To, contenders. Like, that's, that's as, like, the earliest you could say contenders. Prior to that, like, um, I'm just not sure. Like the Lakers and, and Spurs of those early 2000s, like they're the, particularly those Lakers teams, just like that's a, that's a buzzsaw. I'm not picking the Blazers against Shaq and Kobe. So we can get all the way back to 1999. So is it, you know, is it the beginning of the Duncan era in 99? I don't think so. And then you're in the Jordan era and I don't, it's like, are the Blazers contenders in a league that includes Michael Jordan? I, I don't, not this team. And I, I, I'll clarify this in a moment. So I think you got to go all the way back to 94, 95. And that was, uh, that was the year that Jordan would came back. Uh, and, and then they couldn't beat the magic in the, in the Eastern conference finals. They just, they really just didn't have a rebounder. They need, they missed Horace Grant. They hadn't, they hadn't added Robin yet. They didn't, they needed more size up front. 
but also the Blazers on the other side of the bracket, so they would be facing Shaq and Penny in the finals. But the other side of the bracket, you know, there were, those were good good teams, but no Jordan really changes the calculation. Like the 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 Suns of the middle '90s and the, and the Sonics of that era, um, as well as the Rockets and the Jazz. Like those are four really good teams. But I kind of think the Blazers are like contenders in that realm. And also in 1995, if you replace the current Blazers with the Blazers of '95, then the Rockets don't end up with Clyde Drexler. So that that's really going to help. Um, in this, uh, they're not able to trade for Clyde Drexler at the trade deadline. So that's going to be really useful. So I think it's I think it's 1995, like judging by this. But I, th- I think all that is to say is like, what do you mean by contender? And I think it's an important way to like consider what the Blazers are this season. I think the Blazers are a pretty good team. Like I think they're pretty good. Um, a couple people have asked me to like, wh- what do you think their record is going to be? As if like my opinion is is valuable, other than you telling me I'm wrong in the future. So I'll say I think this is like a 47 or 48 win team that finishes like sixth or seventh in the West. That's my that's my guess. Uh, uh, so, you know, flag this and tell me I'm wrong. It's like the only value that predictions have as me, be, as you, as you telling me I didn't get it right. But like, I, I think this team's going to be pretty good. Like, I think they're going to be one of the 10 or so best teams in the league and one of the five or six best teams, you know, six or seven best teams in the West. I think they're going to be competitive in the playoffs. Like, I think they've answered some of their defensive versatility and assuming like questions about their defensive versatility and assuming pretty good health like I think they can play small in ways they haven't been able to play small before they can put you know they can they can downsize and not have a traditional center on the court and still be good and still have some defensive chops with with smaller groups which is in very often the way that teams advance is is really shrinking really downsizing uh, unless you're playing the jazz or, or the nuggets which the Blazers may have to do and then they'll be thankful for size but I think there is a line between pretty good, competitive, competitive against the contenders and contenders. Like this season, how many how many teams are true contenders? Is it five? I think five might be generous. Is it's certainly not eight? Uh, the West does seem wide open. It seems more wide open than in the past. But do you really think that a team that got lost to the Nuggets in the first round of the playoffs added? Cody Zeller, Tony Snell, and Larry Nance Jr. to the back half of the rotation? Do you think they took a step forward from being a team that disappointingly got dispatched from the playoffs to a team that should be considered in the inner circle of championship contenders? I don't. I think the Blazers got better. And I think the line, and I think this is why I had to go so far back in time, the line between pretty good, like decent and competitive and solid team to true inner circle contender is, is... is thin, but very stark. And I'm not sure the Blazers, like, they're just not approaching that for me. I don't think it's like a sin to be pretty decent. I think this year might feel a little bit worse if they're pretty decent, but I don't think it's like, I don't think it's terrible to say this team is going to be good and fun, but can't win a championship. Obviously, the opinion of Damian Lillard will color my personal opinion, but I don't think this team is close to a title. I don't think if you look back at the teams that were close to a a title contention over the last 20 years that you could even like talk yourself into this particular roster being right up there with them. You could convince me that this team's going to be fun and entertaining and I want to watch them, you know, 80 nights this year. I'll watch them all 82 just because I love the podcast, but you don't get what I'm saying. It's a fine line. Enjoy it because 29 teams don't win the title. It's okay to be one of the 29. Sometimes it doesn't feel that way. That's going to do it for this podcast, or this episode, rather. This podcast is still, still kicking. We're going to have episodes later this week. Uh, be sure to check back in your feed for more of those. We are going to start next week 
our countdown to tip-off, our player capsule, our previews of of every player on the roster, currently 13, eventually a 14th person on the roster, heading into uh, opening night of the season. We'll kind of look at their performance from last season, how they wound up on the team if they're a new acquisition. Their best case and worst case scenarios and a likely role they're play, they'll play this season. So I've uh, I've done these in the past, and I think they're really sort of a useful way for us to sort of get prepped for the season and think about what happens. And then they're fun to look back to see whether I got it right, where the player landed in their best case, worst case scenario uh, range. Uh, we'll, we'll look at those at the end of the season. So look for those beginning next week. Uh, we'll have, we'll roll out 13 and eventually all 14 of them once the Blazers finalize their regular season roster. Do me a favor, tell your friends about this podcast. Oh, before I do that, uh, if you want to get involved in a future Mailbag Monday, at Mike G. Rich on Twitter or LockedOnBlazersPod at gmail.com. And now, do me a favor, tell your friends about this podcast. Available wherever they already get podcasts. Just search Locked On Blazers. I'll be there waiting for you. Appreciate listening. Talk to you soon. Bye.